Hey everyone, this is Sean Pitcher, your host with Roach Podcast. I, we have episode two here with Laura Delosier. She's a strength and conditioning coach at Life University near Atlanta, Georgia. Welcome, Laura. Hi, how you doing? I'm doing awesome. Um, super pumped to have you on today. Um, so first kind of thing I want to ask you is, what is your roots? Where did you come from? You know, who is Laura Delosier? All right. Well, I was born in Buffalo, New York, and then my family moved to Connecticut when I was younger. Um, so basically raised in Connecticut. Um, but as soon as I started my career, I went off to Kentucky, Virginia, Florida, and now I'm right in Georgia. Um, so a little bit of a, a little bit of a traveler. I mean, yeah, it's typically what happens with athletics. You're constantly kind of going all, all over the place, you know, especially depending on what opportunities are going to be available to you. Um, I know a lot of times, even for myself, you know, whether it's internships, graduate assistant positions, um, there's a lot of information, a lot of skills that you kind of have to learn on the way that you might not get directly in your teaching or in your school. Would you, would you agree with that? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it was totally beneficial. Um, I, I suggest it for anyone. Um, I wanted to travel anyway, so it was a perfect excuse. Um, we used to have to travel to go see my grandmother on either side of family. Um, so it was pretty cool to already do that. That's great. So as a strength and conditioning coach, can you, can you explain a little bit more about what's your profession? Like what is a strength and conditioning coach in athletics? What do you do? You know, how are you basically helping the athletes get better at the end of the day? Cause as a whole, right? Like for this podcast, we're trying to bring in different types of people from different disciplines to kind of explain their backgrounds, what they do, and just give us more insight and in how each piece of the puzzle is extremely important to essentially give that 360 degrees of care to help the athlete. Sure. Um, so strength conditioning, um, in the name, we, we physically work uh, with athletes to get them stronger in the weight room, teach them lifts and teach them um, safe progressions and lifting techniques so they can hopefully transfer some of that strength gain to the field, court, pool, whatever. Um, and then um, sometimes if we're lucky enough, we get to do some conditioning as well on the field, um, get to work with different sprint techniques and coaches that way. Um, so basics are just training athletes in general. Um, I think where it meets the gray area is where we get a chance to um, get deeper than that. We see the athletes a lot more than some of the other coaches and the support staff um, besides athletic trainers. And um, we get to actually have organic conversation and we get to relate things back to training um, outside of the weight room. Um, and then we get to also kind of integrate with how practice is going and, and shift our load for um, benefits to get back and stay on the field as long as I can. Um, injury prevention wise, um, that's always a goal for non-contact injury. Um, how can we prepare them best to the same demands that they get on the field day in, day out, or the court or the pool. So, so how does your thought process kind of change when you go from working with one sport to another sport? Like is, is strength and conditioning different from sport to sport? Is there major changes? Is there like a baseline you do with everybody? Like how does that essentially work or how does that change? Movement and exercise wise, it doesn't really differ all too much. Um, volume and intensity, it depends on the season, but um, honestly, it's just, the one thing that specializes that I get to kind of do my research and see the demands of the sport first. And if I can hone in on imbalances or, um, over, um, overdone movement, 
um, or repeated movement for the sport, I get to kind of like factor that in first. And then when it gets to specific movements, not, not so much changes between sport to sport. Okay. What, what does the day look like for you? You know, I've, I've worked with lots of strength conditioning coaches myself, and I know sometimes you have coaches that are there from four or five in the morning, all the way until six, seven o'clock in the afternoon. Um, and I know sometimes, you know, some of that to a certain extent is required. And there's other times where, you know, sometimes we're staying there longer than we have to because we feel like we have to, but kind of give us, give us an idea of like what a day looks like as a strength and conditioning coach and kind of what your feelings are about, you know, just your profession or, or just athletics in general, people thinking they have to stay there a long time versus getting your stuff done and getting out and being back with your family for, for that instance. I think it, um, it, it almost does like go, go, it goes from this to this for um, like time demand. Um, so I think when you're an intern and you're assisting, I think that like being there for as much as you can um, is beneficial. I think working yourself all day, every day is a little bit of an overkill, but I think some of that time is definitely worth um, putting in. Um, just to being able to see and asking coaches why they put things in there. Um, but when you get into your like graduate assistant role, I think that you do get to get specific on your team. So you're maybe not there as long. Um, depending on where you are, you have to assist with other teams too. Um, so now when it gets to the assistant role where I'm in now, um, I'm at a smaller school and that kind of allows me to work with multiple teams. So I think the day will look um, pretty busy from top to bottom, but I think that there will be different breaks because um, it's not just me with the, the team. So some I think will be back to back to back and then I'll maybe a break and then a, a few more teams in the afternoon and then a break to go home. Can you touch on that a little bit more? I know depending on the level or how many strength coaches you might have, um, just the differences that you've kind of been around from each facility that you've been at when it comes to, you know, categorizing or, or picking what hours or what times of the day you need to choose based off of your athletes and kind of your workload. Like, does that, does that change from school to school based off of staffing? It does. I've been to a school where um, we've had like five or six on staff and I was an intern and I helped out with everybody, but um, and then I've been at a school um, just recently with IMG where they had a huge staff. Um, so the amount of teams I was with almost didn't change, but the, the demand of needing to be prepared didn't quite, um, like I was only sport lead for two sports out of the four or five sessions I went to a day. Um, it was a little bit bigger of gaps in between the, the um, times that they trained only because their school was either in the morning or in afternoon here it kind of goes back to um getting a chance to deal with a little bit more flexible school schedules um so trying to get one team in at once will be a little bit of a struggle with um the team size also um so i think some teams will have to split into two um, but here we kind of split it down the middle between, cause it's just me and coach Saki. So, so you mentioned working with different staff members. Um, you know, that's a, another huge topic that kind of falls in athletics where, you know, sometimes working in athletic departments, people will just work in a silo, right? They feel like they're just kind of working in their own little space. Um, and, and then other times, right? Like we have these huge staffs with, with multiple different personnel that we have to work with, whether it's, strength, athletic training, sports dietitian, 
um, mental conditioning coaches. So kind of what's your, what's your experience working with an interdisciplinary staff and, you know, what's your thoughts on working with them versus, you know, some of the approaches you might see in the field where some people kind of just keep to themselves and their silo and how can that either positively or negatively affect you? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I think that when it comes down to integration, um, especially with athletic trainers and coaches like sport coaches, I think I was taught early and often to communicate with them early and often. Um, so even before integrating with nutrition or mental coaches or having that exposure, it was super important anyway. Um, so like just being in touch on a weekly basis gets you a chance to like talk about a couple of different athletes that you may see struggling and you're, you're wondering if the coaches see that they're struggling and are they kind of a needle to move um, on the team where it can directly affect everyone else. Um, but I think I've seen it where coaches kind of stay in their own silos and like they're still open and receptive to feedback and questioning and with their sessions, but they don't quite make it around to the other staff. Um, and I think it's hurt and it's left too much open interpretation to um, how they are as a coach. Um, I think sometimes that when you leave perception up to um, question, then I think other coaches start to question that. Um, but if you're upfront and you're always looking for like connection or communication, I think everyone will always be willing. They, they know exactly where you stand on things. Have you ever had any issues with, with like challenging conversations when it comes to, it could be your own staff, it could be the support staff, it could be working with a coach. Um, you know, how, how do you, how do you navigate those things? Cause there's, there's lots of different personalities when it comes yeah. to athletics, you know, you know, have people that are very gruff, um, very kind of in your face, loud. You'll have the obviously the opposite end of the spectrum, people that are very passive, you know, it may take a little bit more for them to talk and, and open up and give you the information that you need. So how, how do you navigate in athletics with all those different personalities and all those different types of people that communicate in different fashions? I think for me, it's open-ended communication. I like to be more open-ended than having like finite conversation, like conversation or like finite um, statements. I like to observe. I think the power observation is your greatest tool um, because then you could see when they're talking to other student athletes or other staff, you could see how they react when things come up or like different topics come up. And then you could just, uh, just ask some questions first. I mean, if you're willing to get to know somebody and ask them a lot of questions on, Hey, why do you run practice like this? What do you like? What do you like this drill? I like this drill, like different things, especially with coaches. They'll, the more that you're interested, the more they'll be able to like know that you want to know more instead of just, Hey, come in hard on like my agenda. Um, but I think that, I mean, with multiple personalities, sometimes I could, I like to, I like to talk early and often. And because I, I, I can like, I managed to do that. Like it also come back to me where sometimes I'm just a little bit more forward. Um, so sometimes it comes off as in your face, but like, it's definitely, I try to take it the best way I can with being professional about it, where I'm not mad or angry or emotional. I just want to know. So like, sometimes I think it's come off of as uh, like, like I'm taking some personally, but I'm not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's just, there's just so many situations where it could be very challenging and you want to be as professional as possible. You want to be able to answer their questions. And, and at the end of the day, I think everybody just wants to be able to, to help the athlete. Like we're trying to help the athlete. We're trying to communicate with whoever that may be, whatever staff members, support coaches, 
And ultimately we're, we're trying to make sure that that athlete has everything that they possibly need. So it's like, if I have to come at you in multiple different ways to be able to figure out the information and, and, and get that information that I need to then help them as well. Um, whether that staff member likes me or doesn't like me, like at the end of the day, it's, I'm trying to help the athlete. So, and, and I'm okay with that person. If we don't get along, if we do, that's fantastic. You know, it's going to help continue to kind of improve our relationship um, to get it where we need to go. Um, but I know obviously that could be extremely challenging at times. I mean, I think that's a great point in itself. Um, you say like when you don't like somebody or when you don't agree with like where they're going with something, I feel like that's, everyone talks about relationship, relationship, relationship. Like I could talk to a coach and have a great relationship and get along really well and maybe be able to hang out outside of the sport. But um, like, how can I react when I don't agree with something? Or how can you react when you don't agree with something? Is that, does that mean that it's an end all be all for like a relationship? No. And like, I feel like experience can teach you that, but it's not, it's not an end all be all just because you disagree. Like you can still work with someone when you disagree with them. It's just how involved you want to be if it comes back, I don't know, badly, you know? And I think that's the great thing I've learned from, um, you know, the audience doesn't know, but I also worked at IMG Academy and, and IMG Academy has an extremely large mental conditioning staff. Um, I, I believe it's anywhere between 12 to 15 staff. And one of the big things I learned for them that again, they're, they're teaching a lot of these athletes as to how to control themselves, be composed, and probably some of the most stressful times that you're going to be in as an athlete. And whether that's on the field, on the court, on the pitch, or whether you're facing situations that are going to be off of that in school, in your dorm room, faced with a challenging situation, um, you have to be able to be composed, be professional, and not be reactive, but be able to sit back, even though you have to give a quick response, to be able to also think about how you're going to respond and how it's going to affect the individual, multiple other people, maybe it affect your team. Um, and whether that's the same approach they take with an athlete, like that's a similar approach we also have to take with staff. Like, I mean, like you said, there's going to be lots of things that are going to upset us, not make us happy. There's going to be things that we want to implement or we want to do that maybe the other person doesn't quite agree with yet. And it may not also be because, you know, they don't want you there. They don't want you help your help, you know, in a lot of situations in universities or high schools, um, especially like in your case at an NAIA or a D3 or a D2, um, or sometimes on the high school settings, you know, these athletes or, or maybe these coaches just have never had exposure to working with any of these types of professionals before. So they don't know how to take it. And they've typically done a lot of the stuff on their own um, mm -hmm. just because they've had to, and that's all they're used to. Um, right. Like introduce the support staff. Like, can, how can I be there for you? Like, can I stress enough that I am here for you? Can I take some of that load off of your plate? And I mean, this is what it could look like. Like I could help you. <laughs> And it happens with athletes a lot too. Again, they come from a lot of different past behaviors, past environments where they're just not used to working with those type of people or ever receiving help, or they, you know, they have very few people they, they trust, you know? So like, what are you going to do that's different? Whether it's, I'm a really good athlete, so I'm just going to keep doing my thing because that's what got me here. Or, you know, it, it takes some time to build the trust and relationships to get anybody, you know, athletes or other staff, regardless um, to be able to buy into what you're doing and know that you're there to help them and know that you're there to, to try to make the program and their sport and, and everything kind of surrounding them better. Um, 
And that takes time for everybody. <laughs> it could be mm -hmm. a couple of days. It could be weeks, months. Um, you know, I'm sure you've had the same thing, but I've had athletes where it could take me six months to a year before they want to listen to anything that I have to say. Um, and right. Like when, when it finally gets to that personal turning point where they can understand where you're coming from instead of it's just a command to do, you know what I mean? Like, can I, okay, I have athletes that maybe just don't one, don't know what the weight room can do with them or like two, like they don't like it and they don't have enough experience to like it. It's like, all right, well, can I get to a point where you and me are on the same understanding where if this helps you then like learn to like one thing because it's going to push you over the edge in a good way. Yeah. So, so to go off to that point, you know, another thing I wanted to ask you was like, how do you feel like you currently serve past athletes, current athletes you work with? Like, how do you feel like you, you make a difference and it could be what you do in the weight room. It could be, you know, other things besides, you know, quote unquote, strength and conditioning. Um, so where do you kind of stand with that? Um, I, I want to be approachable to athletes, um, to anybody, everybody. I want to make sure that everybody on the team can come to me with any sort of problem. I, the best thing I tell athletes is that I don't control your playing time. So like, if you need to have a sidebar conversation, or if it just comes like to different questions and the only time you see me is in the weight room and that's the only time we can talk about it. Like, yes, we have to get stuff done. Um, but let's find either a more appropriate time to talk about it or like at least get something quick. So, you know, that I'm here for you. Um, I think that's the, like the best thing I could offer to them is let me be a resource. Let me be someone that like you can talk to if you haven't been able to formulate what you feel about something, like, let me help you. Like, can I listen? Um, I think that in a world where you can grow up and play your sport and identify yourself in it a little bit. And, um, you just don't realize that it all connects. Like, can I be, someone to help you connect some of those things, some of those dots. Um, I mean, training is one thing, like doing the exercise is one thing and like, but it's also like everyday life after sport. Um, can you continue to like, make sure that you stay healthy enough to have a family or healthy enough to be able to do what you want to do. If you want to travel, if you want to like see the world, if you want to stay outside and want to hike and you just want to do things for yourself, like, can I help you relate outside of like after you after you play your sport? I mean, that's getting a little away from the question, but like it all goes back to let me help you better. I left softball thinking I could have been so much better if I put a little bit more time in. I mean, we had a small town and a small program. So like we didn't have really a weight room to work in until like my senior year. So I didn't know what that looked like, but I knew that once I started to do it, I'm like, shoot, I really could have been better. And I, I don't want anyone to kind of walk away from their sport saying that. And I, I was in the same situation, you know, me, me being a sports dietitian, you know, I played sports from seven years old all the way up to two years in college. You know, unfortunately I had to stop playing college football because of an injury. I had two, two concussions. Um, you know, I wasn't at a very high level of football. I was division three. So at that time, you know, obviously school was going to be, an extremely important part of my life to be able to continue ed my education. Um, but yeah, I, I can definitely agree with those points where, you know, having those people around you to help teach you those skills and those behaviors, 
right? You know, we think a lot about like what's going to help us in the now or what's going to make us and give us the fastest, quickest change. But in reality, you know, the more we're around these individuals, you know, we don't always know it and see it, you know, in those initial stages or those acute stages. But a lot of times those athletes take a lot from that. That's not just nutrition. That's not just the weight. And that's not just you were there to help me through my rehab. You know, they take a lot of those other moments and know that you made a significant difference. And it's not only helping me as an athlete, let's say in high school or in college, or if you do work with a professional athlete, it's setting them up with the, the tools in their toolbox for success after that point. Mm-hmm. You know, like you said, once they have their own family, right? Like if I can get an athlete to know that they need to get eight to 10 hours of sleep, they need to eat three meals and two to three snacks and hydration is important, right? Those are three things that it doesn't matter whether you're an athlete or not. Everyone spends 10 to 15 hours doing those every single day. So mm-hmm. it's like the more that you can get good at these skills now, like the healthier you're going to be long-term. And then now you can give that off to other people, you know, your own family members, or when you have, you know, wife or, or husband, or if you have your own kids right now, that's information that you know, that you can pass and provide off to them as well. Mm-hmm. That's, that's going to essentially assist them. And then, and then it becomes kind of a full circle situation. You know, you're right. You're not just touching the, the 15, 20 athletes on, the one team you're working with, like, yeah, you're, you're working with those 15, 20 athletes, but now it's getting to the parents. Now it's getting to other people they know. And now you're really making a a big difference um, beyond, you know, maybe the little small niche or the small university or whatever, whatever place that you're specifically at. I think the, I mean, the beauty of athletics is that like you, you learn early when things don't go right, like how to change them in the moment. Cause you have to, because a game isn't predictive practice isn't predictive, you know, like, I feel like the, the beauty the beauty of it is that you learn you do learn it early, but you learn it physically early. So like that also transfers over to when things don't go your way in school. Or like I feel like that's what really kind of solidified my motivation and strength conditioning. Like, okay, I can't do this weight yet, but I'll I'm gonna make it a way where I can get that weight eventually and feel great about it. And then also it's got the benefits after that. But like I I lived in a lot of hard challenging I lived through a lot of hard challenging spots like I, I've like kind of learned through failure over and over and over again and athletics was always there to solidify kind of like okay well it's just I don't quit through it I learned a different way how to get there yeah and it's it's just being able to deal with life obstacles <laughs> you know once mm-hmm. you get done being an athlete right I mean essentially to a certain extent it really trained you to deal with challenging situations mm-hmm. um, that you can easily transition to when you get into to real life. And it makes a lot of those real life situations easy because at the end of the day, right? Like you've dealt with a lot of this stuff before and it's really not a, a, a huge deal or, or a big deal because exactly. You, you are Cause you've already. seen that, that difficult, you've been in that difficult place before. Yeah. Um, okay. So a couple more things, you know, come before we wrap up here, um, you know, talking about strength and conditioning, you know, what do you feel in your field right now needs to be done to improve your field or needs to be better, um, for it to help continue to progress it in the right direction that it needs to go. Um, I, f- I feel like the deficiency between, I mean, you could say media coverage, social media coverage or any coverage, but like, I feel like 
the, the deficiencies between the Olympic sport world and then the football world are very two different things. Whereas like, I think the frustrations with um, politics and pay and all that stupid stuff, I think it comes down to like, okay, well, who really knows the day in day out struggles? Um, Olympic side, not a lot of people know because we just have to, we don't, we aren't in positions, whether that's time coverage or lack of like um, support from administration. But I feel like a lot of those problems don't get seen as much as like problems that get fixed in football with um, pay or, you know, all this other situations where like, can we make it happen? Like, are we making it happen because we have to, or are we making things happen because this is how they've had to work or like, you know, you, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's, I mean, there's coverage. this, there's this huge gap right now. I mean, I, I think we had talked about this before where it's like, I feel like we're almost going in reverse sometimes. Like we're going back to the old ages where like, there was like tears, right. Or, or this is kind of happening in football a little bit where it's like, the baseballs, the basketball, the footballs, right? Like they're up all on this huge pedestal at those huge levels, like SEC, right? Like, you know, I just saw a strength coach. I think it was at Oklahoma State. Now is getting paid a million dollars, right, per year to be a strength coach. But then you got other strength coaches, let's say like in your position, right, or other positions, D3, head of strength conditioning, getting paid $50,000. So it's like the gap and the pay and how many, how much, individuals are getting paid and it happens again like what we know across multiple disciplines across athletics it just feels like you know if you're not working in these sports or you're not a director in some of these areas it's like you're never gonna get a lot of light yeah yeah you're never gonna be able to make that money (laughs) or it's like you may love working olympic sports you may love working swimming it's like and that's your niche and that's what you love and your joy but then it's almost like realistically you know, unless I'm at the highest of the highest level, is it then going to be worth the pay or worth the time to stay in this? Or do I have to learn to like these other sports or work with these other sports? Because that's where all the money and the pay is going to be. So then it becomes right, super right. challenging. It's, it's like, well, what do I, what do I do? And then, it's, and then, you know, you may love the university and the athletes and the coaches and people that you're working with, but then it may just not be sustainable because, of how much it costs to live there. And you're only getting paid a certain amount of money. And even though you're the director, you're only getting paid 40, 60,000, but then you got other people getting paid a million dollars. It's just, it's just all over the board on it. Well, yes, yeah, so I was going to say too, it's just all over um, multiple different reasons. I feel like that we can't narrow down like why specifically there's that much deficiency between the two, but I feel like it, it does create a little bit of a riff and um, the realistic expectations of the field sometimes. Yeah, but it just feels like you have the high economic class, you got the like middle economic class, and then right. it's like you got a lot of staff that are down here making like $30,000 working just as hard, maybe just as great of a, a strength and conditioning coach or mm-hmm. any type of support staff practitioner. And it's like you have staff up here that maybe aren't as good as some of the people down down here at the, the lower levels that may be just as good or just as creative. So it's like and, and sometimes, right, like there's also those like borders where people at these D3, D2, NAIA schools that are amazing coaches, amazing individuals have made a difference in athletes' lives. But it's like there's this code where, oh, you're a D2, D3, NAIA, 
you can't work in division one or you don't have division one experience. So you're not going to be able to handle, you know, this division one level stuff. And it's like, I think it's just, I mean, to be honest, like to be frank, it's I mean, bullshit. personal preference It's bullshit. <laughs> right, right. I mean, that for somebody because I mean, they worked preference. at another school because yeah. they were at a division one, like that doesn't mean they're going to be a great team member or they're great at what they do. I mean, yes, there is some absolutely for sure, but we got to be able to look outside the lens a little bit and be able to understand, like, look at everybody from all the different divisions. Like, there's tons of other people that are just Correct. as good. Take in, take in more of what qualifies as that position should serve. Should serve. Exactly. All right. So kind of ended off here, you know, a lot of podcasts, you know, they'll ask, you know, what is, you know, how can the listeners follow you, which, you know, automatically all of our viewers, I'm going to put that information in the show notes. You'll be able to know how you can follow her, where you can reach her at. Um, you know, sometimes people will ask, you know, some like silly questions, like what's your favorite ice cream? So what, what I want to do is a little bit different is, who do you recommend or who do you think in your field people should follow or listen to, whether it's a podcast, whether it's on Instagram or social media or YouTube, like who are people that you think if, if strength and conditioning coach coming up in the field, they listen to these individuals like night and day, they're going to learn something automatically that they can, they can implement as a strength coach or even implement to make their program better. Um, I, mean, I don't have anyone specifically, but I know that, um, I mean, obviously I'm going to say my mentors, but like, I feel like, like, <laughs> that's Shelton all right. Stevens. Put them out there if you have to, we all have mentors that we, that we love that have helped us get to this point. Um, I, I feel like Shelton Stevens was, um, he was a, one of the guys I was with the most at Liberty. Um, his, um, his foundations for why he does a lot of his things have, um, purpose and, and he holds through with his own standards. Um, so getting to know him is pretty important. Um, Nate Young, I feel like he, kind of gave me my first start. Um, but he, I mean, when you say like ins and outs and, um, like he went through and sat down with me a through Z about the profession, about what I should expect, about what, what I would need to do to hold those standards for myself. Um, also, um, Stefan Visk, I feel like he's, uh, he's really undervalued for how little he speaks. Um, he, he knows a lot and, uh, he's not a big talker, but when you do get him talking, he's huge influence. Um, I feel like he, he made a lot, a really big impact when I was at IMG. Um, but I feel like podcast wise, I think you should listen to everybody, anybody and everybody until you have a reason why you don't want to, or where you can sprout out and just try, try consistently somebody where you're listening to different coaches, because again, like, whether you're in front of personally different coaches with different experiences or living with um, or be, uh, being able to just do your research. I mean, just do extensive research. I mean, if it's a field you love to be in, it's something that you have passion for. I think that that's perfect for, you know, like you need to just dive in. And, and I'll leave it with this point. And um, I'm someone who also worked with, with Nate Young. I played football at Buffalo State. You know, he was one of the strength conditioning coaches there that kind of pulled me under my wing when I had football was gone. It was done. And I didn't really know how to fill that space and that void in that time um, and put me in a position to know that there was other opportunities that I could follow um, that allowed me to get my master's, be able to get my school paid for stuff that I would have never known. Like if, if he wasn't present during that specific time. But, um, you know, like specifically to you, as you said, is one of the biggest things he told me was 
you've learned everything you learned from me here. You need to go out and talk to a lot of other different people or work with a lot of other different people because there's going to be a certain extent, right? Like the people that are around you, right? You're going to learn a ton from them, but like you have to be able to go externally and reach out and communicate and be able to talk to others um, to help you to continue to grow and to get better. Mm -hmm. Uh, Keem Robinson, too, I want to plug in that, that name. Huge, huge help. Uh, well, Laura, it was fantastic having you on today. Um, super excited to have you as the second episode of our podcast, and we'll have very, you know, many podcasts after this. Um, again, everyone, I will put her information in the show notes if you want to communicate or contact her. And it was a pleasure having you on. Thanks so much. It was awesome.